Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I think... <coughs> I'm just getting ready here. Um, thank you. It's a real privilege to, uh, to be here this morning. And um, the clock's going forward, back, back. It went back. So it, it meant that my kids woke up at uh, 5 o'clock this morning instead of 6 o'clock, which is, uh, which is good. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, um, I just want to say, uh, Avril uh, brought that, that word um, from Hebrews 12 uh, this morning, and I felt so uh, encouraged by that, because that's, that's what I'm speaking on this morning, about fixing our eyes on Jesus. So, um, so that's really awesome. Thank you for being faithful to, uh, to what you, you felt the Lord um, speaking to you about this morning, Avril. That's really encouraging for me, and hopefully for us as well. Um, so I, I understand that uh, that you guys have been looking at the theme of, of hope and joy for the last couple of weeks, and I've I've heard um, both Phil and Heather's uh, sermons on it for the last two weeks. And um, if you haven't heard those yet, if you missed those Sundays, they're, they're really great. They've really encouraged me, um, so I would in, encourage you, um, if I can do that as a guest, uh, to go and, and and listen to those podcasts because they're, they're they're really great. And um, and so, yeah, as, as I was thinking about what to, to speak on the subject of hope and joy this morning, I, I, I felt like I, I wasn't sure if I had too much to bring. If Danny and I are being really honest, we've, we've, we've had the weirdest six months of our lives ever um, in trying to follow Jesus. But in the last sort of three weeks, we've really like just struggled. It's been really hard and really tough. And so I wasn't sure, like hope and joy. I was like, oh man, I don't know if I have much to give on that, you know? Um, but I felt, as I was thinking about it, the Lord dropped in my mind this verse. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And so I was like, oh. I was encouraged by it because I thought, okay, I might not be able to say anything that would, would be helpful, but I can preach Jesus because we love Jesus. So we're going to get Pentecostal this morning. And we're going to get Jesus. All right? So the worship's been awesome. Everything this morning has been building us up to, uh, to look at Jesus, to look him full in his wonderful face. But, um, yeah. So, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. I didn't know where that was, so I had to look it up, and it was in Hebrews. I mean, I, I knew that I knew it, but I didn't know where it was. I couldn't place it. And um, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the background of the, the, the letter of Hebrews, really boring bit before I get talking, um, it was a letter written to a community of Christians that were going through a bit of a hard time. They'd been persecuted for their faith. In, in a way that maybe some of us can't understand in this country, but they were being insulted and ridiculed for their faith, and maybe some of us can relate to that in this country. And because of that, they were beginning to lose it a bit. They were beginning to lose the strength to continue walking. They were beginning to doubt some of the truth that they had been told. They were uh, beginning to doubt some of the truth that they had individually been told, the words that had been spoken over them, so that some of them had begun to even stop meeting together and stop believing altogether. So in the, in the context of that, the letter of Hebrews is written. Can anyone relate to that this morning? I feel like I can relate to that, and I have been relating to that. And the author thought it was good enough to talk about Jesus and to talk about joy. So this morning, I'm talking about joy because it's roughly a theme, but it's really about Jesus. So let's go together. So if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 12, and we're just going to look at the first three verses, and I'm going to go through the first verse um, to begin with. And I apologize if any of this is old news for you. You've heard this before. We're just going to unpack the passage a little bit. So if we could have verse 1 up, please, Chris. So it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So what is this cloud of witnesses? What's this therefore, therefore? What is this great cloud of witnesses? Well, it's all about chapter 11. If you want to glance, you can, but we're not really going to read any of it. But uh, the author of Hebrews, to inspire these people that are down, this community that are, are beginning to lose it, talks about these heroes of the, of the faith, these heroes of the faith that have gone on before Jesus. People like Abraham, who had, at the word of God, believed him, even not fully knowing what they were going to, and stepping out of their community and, 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 and deciding to follow him. Believing that, even though they, it took 25 years in the making for them to actually have a son, and they really felt old and past it by then, that there was going to be a fulfillment of it, such was their faith. Moses, the murderer on the run, that such was his faith in this weird encounter with a burning bush, that he went back to the place that he feared most and led a massive exodus. Such was his faith. People like that, people like David, people like Gideon, whose strength, uh, whose weakness was turned to strength. And just at the end of chapter 11, um, the author goes on to talk about people that saw amazing victories, but he also points out that there was a load of people who saw the opposite. They were sawn in two for their faith. They were destitute. They were homeless. They were ridiculed. They had to hide in caves and holes in the, uh, holes in the ground. And he's saying this world wasn't worthy for them. Because of this great cloud of witnesses of the faith, because of this great cloud of witnesses, it was like he's encouraged them to imagine they're walking into uh, the Olympic Stadium and being surrounded by this big crowd of witnesses. They're all looking at, at you, at me, and saying, we believe in you. Keep going. Keep going. So since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of these witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, everything that distracts us, every little sin that, that we know God's been speaking to us about, that we haven't let go of, that entangles us, that keeps us from really going on. Let us throw off all of that stuff and run with perseverance. Run with perseverance. It's been said of the Christian faith. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. You know, we're halfway around the lap of the 36 miles or something like that, you know. Keep running with perseverance. But the problem is, like in a marathon, they've hit a wall. I've never run a marathon. I think at most I've run like three miles in my life. Um, but I, I, I hear from people that run that there's a moment in a marathon where you hit a wall where you're like, I can't go on. I don't have the energy for this anymore. I don't have it within me anymore to go on. And I think that's what these guys were up against. They just hit that wall and they can't go on anymore. So what are we told to do? Can we get verse 2 up? Go to verse 2 in your Bibles. To fix our eyes on Jesus. It's the easy answer, isn't it? Fix your eyes on Jesus. But why? Why fix our eyes on Jesus? Because he shows us what the Father is like. He shows us what kindness is. He shows us what love is. He shows us what compassion is. He shows us what humility is. And it goes on to say, because he's the author of our faith. He's the pioneer of our faith. It began with him. It began in him. Our faith is in Jesus. And he went before us. He started it all. He was the first one. And because he's the perfecter of our faith. He's the ultimate, completer, finisher. Jesus never starts something that he's not going to finish. Isn't that awesome? He says that to us this morning. That he's, he didn't start the work in me. He didn't start the work in you to just leave it half-baked and to walk away. He's not like the DIY guy who starts a job and then 
leaves it half done where it kind of breaks. He gets the job done. Jesus is the ultimate completer finisher. He starts it, and so he'll end it. He's the beginning and the end. That's why we fix our eyes on Jesus. And also, because we're told, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross by the joy that was set before him. So great was the joy set before him that he could look at the cross, he could look at the beatings, he could look at his beard being torn out, he could look at the crown of thorns being stabbed into his head, he could look at the nakedness, the abandonment, and he could consider it, that he could endure it because of that set before him. He could look at shame and say, I despise you. You're nothing. It says in some translations, he disregarded the shame. It says scorning the shame here. He could look at the shame of the cross and say, you are nothing in comparison to the joy and the hope that is set before me. Isn't that awesome? Let that go deep into our lives today, that he could look at that set before him, and he could uh, endure the cross. So what was this joy? We know that it's, from our own experiences, it's not fun. The pain of things, the bad experiences aren't fun in themselves. Jesus wasn't like a, a masochist who enjoyed being beaten. You know, it wasn't joy in the pain of it. We know that's not true. It was the joy set before him so he could endure the pain, endure the suffering, endure the hardship. So these are the things I've been thinking uh, defined the joy that Jesus, um, that, that Jesus had set before him. The first one was the joy of his father. It was the joy of knowing his father in heaven. I, I, I had that, that revelation again as I've been uh, looking at this that the approval of the Father didn't come when Jesus was enduring on the cross. The approval of the Father came before he did anything. Right before any of that, before he even started his ministry. That the, the, the dove appeared and the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He knew his Father. That was joy. He knew his Father. That his Father approved of him and he was working from a place of approval rather than to it. That's awesome. But also, it was the joy of knowing his father's will for his life. That he, um, you know, I, I, I kind of, I think I grew up just assuming that Jesus always just knew. He just knew. Like, he knew what he was doing. He knew he was about his father's business. But I began to realize that actually, I think maybe he wrestled with it a lot more than I thought. You know, even in the Garden of uh, Gethsemane, before all of this kicked off, before he had to properly endure, way more than he already had been, that he, he wrestled with God like Jacob, didn't he? He wrestled with him. He said, Father, I, I'm going to bring my life into, into uh, my will into line with your will. I'm submitting to you. Isn't that amazing? The joy set before him was knowing he was doing the will of the Father. I think we could all go a little bit further if we had that revelation that we were doing the will of our Father. Isn't that true? I can go further if I know I'm doing the will of my Father in heaven. He had sweated it out with blood and brought himself into line with it. So his first, uh, the first part of the joy was knowing his Father. I think another aspect of the joy set before him <coughs> was knowing that he was reversing the curse. That everything that had gone wrong in, in the Garden of Eden and with that first family, um, all the disastrous choices <laughs> that, that, that were made that we all make, that he was reversing that. So through one man sin came in the world, so through him, grace, much more was going to abound. In the same way that, that death came through one man, life 
in abundance was going to be brought through him. It says in Hebrews later on, it says that his blood, the blood of Jesus, speaks a better word than the blood of Abel's. We all know who Abel was. He was killed by his brother Cain in that first family for, for being jealous of the approval of God. He sa- it says that his blood, Jesus' blood, speaks a better word than that of Abel. I didn't know what that meant. And as I looked into it, I began to realize that the blood of Abel was crying out for justice for the sin that had been committed, for the murder that had been committed on his life. But the blood of Jesus in being offered as a lamb, speaks of mercy for sinners. Blood of, blood of Abel speaks for justice for sin. The blood of Jesus. Oh, it's Pentecostal. The blood of Jesus. It speaks a better word. It speaks of mercy for sinners. Let's receive that today. Mercy for sinners. One life was taken. Jesus' life offered. Reversing the curse. The joy set before him. I think another aspect of his joy was knowing that he was bringing many to glory. In Hebrews it says that he's bringing many sons to glory. It says that he tasted death for everyone so that we in him might live. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Let's get Pentecostal. (laughs) That we might live for him for eternity. I think Jesus could could look on this timeline of, 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 of the faith that had gone before him. He could see into the past this great cloud of witnesses but he could also see right into the future on the other side, into the glory of the new heaven and the new creation that he was going to bring us, the place he was going to bring us to, to the mansion with many rooms, to the place where there's no more darkness, no more suffering, no more sin, no more sickness, no more cancer, no more debt, bringing us to the place of the fullness of his presence and his glory. He could look down that timeline and see that. That was the joy set before him. The joy of rescuing, finally and eternally. And in this timeline that he was looking down, as he looked up, saw the Father, looked to the past to see the great cloud of witnesses, looked to the very end, he could also see tomorrow. He could see everything between that moment and the end. He could see grace reigning in life through the grace of Jesus. That the moment by moment, things that happened in our life, that there was grace and strength and power enough for every bit of high and every bit of low because of what he was about to achieve. Isn't that amazing? I think that's amazing. His joy was in tearing the veil no more chasm of separation. That righteousness would no longer be by a set of rules that you had to follow. It would be by faith. Actually, it was always by faith. But it would definitely be by faith in him that he had done it, that he had already gone, he had won, so that we could live tomorrow and live today. So Jesus, the joy set before him was having this kind of panoramic view. And he could do it. He could endure the cross. Isn't that awesome? I think Jesus saw the cloud of witnesses. He saw Abraham. He saw Moses. He saw David. He saw Gideon. He saw Adam and Eve and Cain and the disastrous choices. He saw all of that being reversed. He saw us being redeemed. He saw us being redeemed. He saw his father proud, applauding, crying. He saw the angels awe, the living creatures bowing. He saw the curtain being torn. He saw the fire of God, the fire of Pentecost coming and lives getting set on fire for him. He saw 
uh, Peter being restored, Peter who had denied him, the one who had been close to him, rejecting him and, and abandoning him when he needed support most. He saw him being restored. He saw Paul the murderer's life, life turning around and being transformed and, and changing nations. He saw Jews and Gentiles standing and living together as one community, as one family. He saw what it meant to overcome. He saw, what, he saw the new creation. He saw the glory. He saw the end of slavery. He saw equality amongst the sexes. He saw honor. He saw life. He saw comforters, healers, and helpers raising up. And he saw himself in the middle of it all. The cornerstone. The middle of it. In this glorious gospel. So we're told to look to Jesus. And in verse 3 it says, consider him. Consider him. So we're to consider what he's done for us. That he's for us, not against us. That God is for us, not against us. I know these are words, we've all heard these words before, but I'm asking, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you just take him deep to the core of us this morning? That he's for us, not against us. There is no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. That we are under amazing grace. That his blood speaks a better word for us. Not just at the moment when we accepted him into our heart and crossed that line, if there is that line like that. But that even now, Jesus is still crying out to mercy for us. So great is his love that he, doesn't just, he hasn't just done it, but he's still doing it. He's still interceding for the hardships, for the things that we have to endure in our lives in trying to follow him and trying to live for him. He's still praying for us. He's praying for you guys. You guys. You guys. He's praying for me. Strength for today. Grace for today. New mercies for today. I think in considering him, we need to do what he did. We need to run to the Father. We need to remember, have that revelation. Ask him, Lord, I need to know you approve of me again. Because it's hard sometimes to remember that. And in that, wrestle with God for the will for our lives, for his will, that we would know the knowledge of his will so that we can live, so that we can endure. So that we can say, your will be done, not mine. And also, remembering what's to come. Remembering that there is an end. That there is a glorious day when we'll meet him face to face. That although there's grace and there's joy now and there's overcoming now, that there's one day when every tear will be wiped. Every bit of heartache, every bit of darkness, gone. And letting that, the vision of heaven, the vision of glory, just filling our minds, filling our lungs as we breathe it in, in Jesus' name. Mm, Lord, help us to live like that. Help me to live like that. Yeah, so for the joy set before him, Jesus endured. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and you won't lose heart. Let's consider him. Did any of this ring any bells this morning? Who has grown weary? I've grown weary. He's lost heart. I've lost heart. I really have. But God has been so good this week. He's been reminding me, encouraging me, encouraging Danny, speaking to us. We need to seek him. We need to go after him.
We need to look at him in his glorious face and keep running. Run with perseverance, but fixing our eyes on him, considering all that he's done. Keep running, keep running, keep going. You know, there's no shame. There's that song that United Pursuit have been singing. There's no shame in looking like a fool when you've given what you couldn't keep to take a hold of him, you know? But it feels like foolishness. That doesn't sting, doesn't especially in the hard times. But today there's grace. And I set you and I set me free from saying there's no shame in looking like a fool for giving up what you couldn't keep to take a hold of him. Let's take a hold of him this morning. Mm. Yeah, there was this uh, there was a song I was gonna I was gonna play, but it's a bit it's a bit old school. Um, but but it's just uh, but uh, oh. <laughs> Has anyone heard of the Gathers before? The Gathers? Okay, yeah, yeah. There's this old uh, this group of uh, Southern Americans, not South Americans, Southern like Texas, y'all, um, that uh, that love that that sing gospel songs. Did a lot of Billy Graham, the music of Billy Graham and stuff. And uh, there's this one song, and I could have picked probably a lot more modern, a lot more cooler songs, but it's just it always gets me. It's a song by Andre Crouch. Should we play it? Is it loaded? Called Through It All. So let's just let that minister to us for a minute before I go on. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
trust in Jesus. Man, I, I properly like had a moment listening to that this week when I was preparing and was like proper like <laughs> So I released the men to cry today. To cry hard. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're good. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I thank God, that's what he was singing. I thank God for the mountains and I thank him for the valleys. Because if I'd never had a problem, I'd never known that God could solve them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, this week, I, I, as, as well as speaking on this, this, this uh, on Jesus and, and uh, this word of joy and how he endured, which I think is it's got to be apt for us. You know, we, we tend to talk about hope and joy when it's hopeless and joyless, don't we? And I think that's just, it's happening. We need encouraged. I need encouraged. I felt the Lord lead me to two verses in Psalms. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 12. The Lord really brought it to my attention. He led me to two verses that said basically the same thing. And one said it a bit better than the other. The first one was in... Uh, Psalm 18, you don't have to look, go to it. I'm going to read the Psalm 12 one. But Psalm 18, in verse 30, it says, The word of the Lord is flawless. And then I was led to, I remembered that I'd been impacted by that in, in Psalm 12, in verse 6. And it says, The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. And I felt what the Lord was saying to me, saying to us today, is that yes, the word of the Lord is true. And yes, the word of the Lord is, is it's pure, which is basically what that's saying. There's another thing he's saying, that he's saying that it's purified, that the word of the Lord that has been spoken to us, to you and to me, is refined in the fire has been refined in the fire. Hebrews 12 says, consider all hardships. They're not necessarily from the Lord, but consider them as discipline. That he's refining us, refining us, refining us. He's refining his word in us, the words that have been spoken over you, the words that have been spoken over me about things that are going to happen, things that are going to be done. He's proving himself true, but he proves it true in the fire, amongst other things. But I felt that there was a word for us this morning, that he's proving it in the fire. And he is. So run with perseverance. The race marked out. The race of faith, but also the race that he's marked out for me and for you. The individual things that he's marked out for us. 
let's run to that Father, get ourselves in line with his will. Shall we stand together? Mm. Let's just focus on him for a minute. And this morning from Colossians, I'm asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing the fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have a greater endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of his light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Holy Spirit, you have already been working amongst us today but we just open up our hearts to you. Lord, we take the bars of our hearts and we rip them open. All the bars of disappointment, of being desensitized to you through the hardship of this walk at times. And we just rip that stuff off us this morning. And we say we're open to you. Come and do what you want. Come and do what you want. And there's some of you here this morning that... I know that sometimes we're in different places, but but some of you need this more than ever. The endurance to run. The faith to keep standing as you're being purified, as the word of the Lord is being purified in you. So I extend the grace of Jesus for today. The grace to endure. The hope for tomorrow. For the joy to be set before us the joy of the completion, the joy of the finishing, the joy of knowing Jesus is interceding for you today, the joy of intimacy with the Father, the joy of getting our lives in line with His will. Holy Spirit, do what you need to. We can't hype this up. You just do this in our hearts in whatever way you want to this morning. Only you, only you, only you, only you, only you, only you can do this. He's romancing hearts this morning. He's revealing what he's like again, that he's for us, not against us, that he likes us, that he wants the best in us. Go deeper, Holy Spirit. Go deeper. Let the light inside of us be light, not darkness. Shine on the dark places in me, Lord. Lord, when there's some of us here this morning that we feel hurt by you, that you were the answer and you didn't come through, would you heal that this morning? 
revealed to us the knowledge, if you will, the approval upon our lives, the compassion, the love. In Jesus' name, go deep this morning, Holy Spirit. In this space before we leave, go deep. Go deep. Come on, I, I don't want to say this over you anymore. Say it yourself. Go deep this morning. Go deep this morning. We wait on you, Lord. We wait on you, Holy Spirit. We wait on you, Lord. Hear us, Akala through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus through it all I've learned to trust in God and the Lord is releasing like a champagne cork being popped just that new life all that's been building up the pressure is releasing it it might not spring up immediately right in this moment, or it may, but it's being released. Jesus' name. Oh Lord, we lay our lives before you as living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. And we call down the fire of heaven like Elijah did upon the, the completely soaked and dull sacrifices at times. So come and light the fire. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Grace for today. Grace to run. In the knowledge of your will. In Jesus' name. What a faithful God have I. What a faithful God. What a faithful God have I. Faithful in every way. What a faithful God have I. What a faithful God, what a faithful God have I, faithful in every, one more time, oh what a faithful God have I, what a faithful God. What a faithful God have I. You're faithful in every way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. You're worthy. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. Lord, keep doing your work. 
I pray that nothing would, would, be, would be able to snatch away what you're doing in this moment. Whether the kids come back and that gets busy and we go back for lunch, whatever it might be, that nothing would snatch away what you're doing in this moment. We seal it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone.